This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Educational Triage. This is Tony and I'm joined this week, of course, with the indomitable and lovely, beautiful, gorgeous, hairless, Philip Summers. Aloha. I'm hair. <laughs> yeah, on your face. <laughs> anyway, this week we're talking about professional development and, and doing professional development. How do you do professional development? Or how does Pro it dev. do... Or how does it do you? Yeah. Pro-dev. I, I try to call it pro-dev and, and being, being a kind of a masculine pro-dev sort of thing. And I've worked with a lot of women. They all looked at me like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, okay. Professional development. <laughs> well, let me let me read this article. And one thing I want to let our listeners know is that we're going to start doing something different after the first of the year. Mm-hmm. We're going to take Christmas week off. And we'll be back on New Year's Day. But there's a couple of things. And I have to admit, I have been very lax in the blogging scheme on the web page. And I believe that there might be one or two blogs up there. And I have been very, very bad. And since my problems, my medical problems and issues that came up, um, I've had to really spend most of my time and energy with that. So beginning this week, with this episode, the blogs will start happening. And also we will start having a better presence on social media as well so that you can see that. And then I am also going to be working on giving us a video platform. Where I will prove I have no hair on my back. No. <laughs> no, please, no. no, I, no. Won't. I will not do such No. In fact, if you ever, I always was freaking out about the fact that we went video because I fidget a lot and then I would have to behave. You and do. I do. I'm, I'm a big fidgeter. But I don't think that'll, I don't think that'll put anybody off. Um, <laughs> but before we even get going on professional development, I want to throw this one article out. I just received my um, education week issue today because I didn't pick up the mail yesterday and there was this article in there and I thought that I would go over it and I think it feeds directly into what we're going to be talking about today. So it's called the status of the teaching profession has hit a 50 year low. Can it be turned around? So let me just read it to you really quickly. Who wants to be a teacher? The silence may be resounding. Based on a study that came out last week, the status of the profession is at its lowest point in five decades. Researchers at Brown University and the University at Albany compiled and analyzed decades worth of national data from more than a dozen sources about factors like teachers' morale, the perceived prestige of the profession, and interest in entering the field to create an annual profile of the profession between 1970 and 2022. Mm-hmm. So that's 52 years. 52. Mm-hmm. I was what they, the what they found <laughs> suggests that the pandemic only exacerbated the decline in prestige and tra- attractiveness of teaching. When you look at the data that we have, it's hard to see us in a spot anywhere else than a really critical tipping point in public education. 
said Matthew Kraft, an associate professor of education and economics at Brown and co-author of the report. For the study, the researchers pulled from dozens of data sources, federal databases, longstanding annual surveys, more recent nationally representative polls among them. Their key takeaways, only 42% of educators say the stress of their job is worth it, compared with 81% in the 70s. Interest in the field among high school seniors and college freshmen has dropped 50% since the 1990s. The number of new entrants into teaching has decreased by one-third over the past decade alone, and just 59% of respondents to a nationally representative survey of the public say the job has at least considerable prestige this year compared with 78 in 1998. That's pretty amazing. Oh, wow. Why has all this occurred? Declining wages, a competitive outside labor market, the decreasing influence of teachers' unions, a rise in school shootings, strenuous reform efforts, and low education funding levels are likely culprits, the study says. The researchers believe that can be turned around because that has happened in the past. Hmm. Mm. I guess we who said that? Who said that? The researchers. The researchers said that. Are the researchers uh, average age? What? (laughs) Because what's happened in the past? Yeah. Higher wages and more professional autonomy could be a start, they believe. And I like that word, professional autonomy. That's going to be a key. That's going to be something key with today's topic. Other issues still need to be addressed, though, such as modulating the divisive debates that have undercut the longstanding notion that educators are allies to children's learning rather than barriers and stemming the rise in violence in schools. I can only think of that phrase that I can only think of when I only think of this phrase. What about the kids? What's best for the kids? Are we thinking about the students? Well, here's and, the, here's, yeah. well, you're talking about the people that are the frontline workers that are working with the kids. Right, the teachers. Yeah, and so yeah. what are they thinking? And they're not happy. And well, I usually think about that fact that, was it worth their while to go through the stresses and 81% of them said, yeah, it was because they were doing what they thought was best for the kids. And if 40% 40, are saying that now, yeah. I think they're not thinking it's best for the kids. Well, I think I think those yeah. people are keeping in mind what's going on with the kids. The problem yeah. is, is that there are so many other forces that are coming down. You have yeah. the administration that's telling them that they have to be doing X, Y, and Z. Yep. They're being scrutinized over every little thing. They've been their autonomy has been taken away. Yeah, their autonomy is being taken away. They They're can't no longer, adjust. Well, I think this is a they can't this create. Is, you're not allowed to be innovative. Yeah, you yeah. can't. You can't. You can't innovate. You can't create. You and can't so, adjust. You can't year to year. If say, ask any elementary school teacher, hey, fourth grade teacher, is this a different fourth grade class from last year's? Absolutely. They're just there, and you could do different things from different years. Mm-hmm. Just the end of, yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Yeah, and it seems as though they want to go lockstep. So let's yeah. let's let's like go into same our page, same day, right? So, so let's go into our topic because yeah, I think, okay, I, yeah. I think this this is a wonderful kind of lead-in that we have. So uh, the uh, purpose of professional development, in your uh, eyes, uh, great and wise sage. Oh no, you're the wise one because you just set the stage and get granted the segue yeah yeah yes my because i can feel my thoughts yeah you're right but what is the purpose of professional development ask who are you asking of course i'm asking you well i'm asking all of our listeners but i'm also asking you so i would say that i preferably would be a um a collaboration uh and team building sort of effort um, within a certain group of of educators, teachers, um, directed toward the welfare of the students um, and the welfare of the teachers themselves. And um, to uh, whatever it is that you're going to develop, I think if you're looking at the administrators, they're looking at developing along the lines of 
curriculum kind of in a structured lockstepish sort of way or how many of the professional development things ended up like psyop or uh, you know this year we're going to do it a certain way we're going to learn this particular way of teaching we want you to do it this way we're going to do these evaluations at the six 10 and 12 week or 14 week um, intervals and we want to assess these behaviors of the kids or something or you know what I'm saying they always want to institute something and I, I think professional development really should be more of a collaborative innovation sort of team building thing amongst the curriculum or amongst the uh, teachers to really develop curriculum in a you know ground up way well I don't think that the kids can learn positively unless the teachers are there feeling, one, empowered, two, innervated, and right. three, absolutely excited to be able to do what they do. Um, yeah. And they also need to be supported as well. And so yeah. it's, I mean, what kid wants to look at gray macaroni and cheese for dinner? I don't think they're going to eat it. All right. No. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. We came up with the greatest idea, the greatest structures, you know, just, no, just so, the ways to deal with these kids. So the, the whole idea is professional development is for professionals. Mm -hmm. And the way that they see it right now is every state requires clock hours. You have to have so many professional development clock hours in order to renew your license every three to five years or whatever each state wants. And um, that may vary from state to state here in Oregon. I believe it's 120. And so if you're taking a college course that that takes care every three hours, I think gives you something like 20. I, I don't remember what it is. It's like 18 hours or yeah, they 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 have their own they have their own formulas for fulfilling that, and so what districts that we have around here and others that I've spoken to around the country, they they do in house professional development that the administrators mm -hmm. they bring in teachers, but those teachers are basically almost like they're toadies, and so it's the <laughs> same teachers over and over again. Yeah, and of. so they kind of. Let's just say that they're kind of like high off the armpit of the administrator who has their arm around them, and they just agree to everything, and they feel very empowered with that, but the rest of the teachers don't. When I first started in my career, I thought they were administrators. They had offices <laughs> up there. <laughs> they were administrators who just came down and taught us stuff and got uh -huh. back up. I did. So. Huh. <laughs> and so... And Toasties. so... And the administrators, when was the last time that they actually had to do a teaching professional development? Hmm. Uh, there was a couple that I, they were a little bit better than others when it came to, to doing a sort of a short-term thing. But they were generally more political and, and more glad-handy than um, mm -hmm. were more uh, rolling up the sleeves, right. uh, getting glue under their nails kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There was more of an ego that went along with it. There always uh, was a little bit of that. There was always, I wasn't sure if they were smiling that well, that long <laughs> because they were that happy or they were the soup or something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're in the theater, yeah. you put Vaseline on your teeth. I did not know that. It helps you smile. I didn't know that. Yeah. Of course, I never was. I was in the theater, but I was always on the stage and detached from the. I didn't ever know. And I was very cheerful. But, okay. <laughs> but professional development is yeah. is there to is there for teachers to feel empowered and to learn because teachers should be showing lifelong learning because that's what we're trying to teach. That's what and and we need to be models of that. Yeah. And we're learning new and innovative ways of structuring our classes, of using the materials, of reaching students and doing better by the students mm -hmm. so that they can be more successful and we have more opportunities and more ways to do it. That would be like if we're <laughs> learning how to do universal design for learning, if we're learning how to do differentiated curriculum, if we're mm -hmm. doing multiple intelligences, if we're doing mm -hmm. all any 
any number of ways. Yeah. And so, but it's also a way for you to be able to reach out and to, and to be collegial, maybe yes. not with people that you normally work with, but with other people. And so I'm going to go back <laughs> about 30 years to when I was teaching elsewhere, not with you. It's before I worked with you. And even mm -hmm. before that, we went to conferences and conferences were structured around teachers and we would do this. And there was a state in service day and they would have teacher. They would not a teacher, not teacher conferences in the way that student teacher conferences, but they would have like the, um, the council for teachers of English. They would have the science teachers conference. They would have conferences for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so it was basically, it was a statewide day off. And then what happened was, uh, districts started realizing that people were taking advantage and they weren't going. They, and they were saying that they were going, but they didn't go. And they were upset because you were supposed to be going. It was a paid day. And so then you had to come back and show that you actually went if you didn't, because now they're using substitutes. And if you can't prove it, then you get a slap on the, I don't know what happened to them, but you see people, you reconnect with people, you mm -hmm. ask people what they're doing. You're able to collaborate. You're able to, it's, it's exciting. It really is. experience like that. The conference, it was an alternative ed conference. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the same thing, but it was a focused. Right. Where you saw people from around the state. Right. Nice. Right. And so uh, even in, even, things like right. And that was the one that we had in Oregon was on the mm -hmm. same weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I, I didn't, I knew that there were other people were doing that. I didn't realize that it had established itself that way. Yeah. And so, okay. well, I used to go to the English one. And then when I joined the, yeah. Then when I joined the Oregon Council of Teachers of English, I started going to that one and I kept bumping into people that I had worked with in the past and it was wonderful, uh, and, okay. you know, and we could talk about different things and we would sit down and we would brainstorm and then we would go out for drinks or else we would meet up at another time and just kind of work with each other on things. Right. I got a um, ton of ideas from the Alternative Ed Conference. I actually sold a curriculum unit. Sold, sold like eight copies of my curriculum in it there. Oh, wow. Yeah, if you were wow. very intrigued by it. So, yeah, really great people, stuff. People love curriculum because I think I gave away <laughs> something like 85 copies of my curriculum because I, oh. I did workshops on them and I had to add them on because they wanted them. But there's a story attached to that that I'm yeah. going to go into People today. love to, to go look. Oh, they got great stuff there. And they'll say, I, can I? Yeah. And yeah. I, mine was really developed, so I'd sold copies of it. And this is before we were really into, I mean, computers were pretty new at that time. So yeah, I, I think we were still using dot matrix. Uh, I had a way of using the internet, communicating with climbers on Everest and stuff. Yeah. So people were into that. They had right. no idea. And, uh, yeah. Right. So, so professional development is just that. And it's used throughout business. It's used throughout <laughs> other professions. Attorneys have to do it. Business people have to do it because they Doctors. have to Right. Because and, they need to maintain their license, but they golf around. No. <laughs> well, they golf around theirs, <laughs> which is not too far. Yeah, we don't you know, one of the ones I like though is when I was collaborating with that team um, and my mentors and I, um, we had these uh, weekly meetings and uh, we did case management, but we also did. Uh, um, uh, staff meetings and we talked our structure and our ideas came from those meetings mm -hmm. and those were basically professional development. I used them for those hours and they just blew right. away my hours. I had them all by, you know, a semester and a half, one year, and, right. uh, but they were wonderful. And that's the collaborate, the collaborative sort of innovative mm -hmm. type we were talking about. And we even had our, um, our administrator at the time come in and lead like a whole yearly thing on like one book, the, who moved my cheese one year, you know, but that was a valuable text at the time. A lot of people didn't understand that they were sort of locked into behaviors and, and, uh, mm -hmm. and we had a good time talking about it on a regular basis. I think the best book that she gave us though was the primal teen. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the time she talked to, about the culture of poverty, I learned mm -hmm. a lot about the culture of yeah, poverty. Yeah, Ruby, Ruby Payne. Yes. Yeah, it helped me understand the students and why they would they value relationships over money, even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for, for those of you at home, there's lots to learn by talking to each other. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes we, sometimes things become latent. And we yeah. Don't, and, and they kind of get covered with a lot of dust. And Oof. you start talking to somebody and all of a sudden you realize, whoa, I've got that way back here and it's trying to shake itself off. And then <sighs> it, it's refreshed. And then you have that again because you yeah. already knew that. And so that's always wonderful. For example, the standards, as, as they became more and more important, let my um, knowledge of race studies and black studies became less and less important to the point where nobody even knew I knew anything about it. Mm -hmm. Until kaboom, it right. all blows up. Right. And it's, it's like, <laughs> share your knowledge with people or be willing to listen to people when they share theirs with you. We all know a lot and it's all very pertinent. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so the purpose of professional development is to get people out there rethinking what they're doing, being more self-aware. Yeah. yeah and understanding that there are other ways to do it and figuring out ways to, to do that as well as to collaborate and to make it more relevant, reassess and reuse. And yeah. Yeah. You know, this, yeah. We live in this moment and these moments are changing rather quickly. Right. And how do you plug the kids in there? Yeah. How do you plug the kids in there? So when so, they talk about this, this is what they're talking about. Don't say mm -hmm. tick tack when it's tick tock. So, <laughs> yeah. So who decides what's on the agenda for the professional development, though? Because if you're doing it in-house and on campus, right. who, because where I was working, it came from the district office. And then they told everybody else what they were going to do. Mm. And then they figured out a variation of how to get that stuff done. So, and there was some wiggle room. There was, there were times for teachers to really show off what it was that they did. The problem is, is that they did not allow other teachers to do things simply because A, they didn't fall into the right click or they didn't feel as though that they deserved it. Yeah, they did that. So, yeah, because I presented something that I wanted to actually try to include, at least on a micro level. And then if that was successful on a, on a larger level mm -hmm. and they looked at me cross-eyed and went, thank you for coming. <laughs> and I never heard nothing. And I had it very much planned out. And I pretty much found out that they were going, yeah, who was that guy? That was the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. And I realized that I was not part of the in crowd at all. And they just said, yeah, I gave him his 30 minutes. And boy, am I glad he's gone. It was very strange. I had no chance wow. whatsoever. I was never one of the in crowd. Mm -hmm. It was a good idea. And I still think it's a good idea. But yeah. um, because I wanted to try it with a small group of people, or the kids who I was working with, because boy, do they need an outlet for their energy and mm -hmm. things like that. And I uh, had a good sound basis on re of research and a good plan and, and things like that. But they, like you said, they, they're getting their, their orders from some meta place, some pet source. And I think it comes from more and more of a bigger source all the time. I'm not sure, but. Mm, I'm not sure that it comes from anywhere except for, um, central office. yeah there's some central office somewhere that prints bigger books or something they're very polished i it it just Ooh, seems no. like it doesn't have any personality or relevance it's well, sort of I, I try to find the relevance but it doesn't seem to have meat well i don't know well here's the next question and that is if we are professionals why are we being infantilized in many ways and treated as though we were students. Because, Thank you. Because okay. now they expect us to be using these things in the classes and we have to demonstrate how we're doing that so they can assess and give us a grade in a sense on how we are doing these things. Thank you. 
yeah, I, I kind of thought that I could put some of my personal flair in something and I delivered it. And then I was um, critiqued by a, a professional critiquer of this curriculum and they sort of toasted me. And I looked at him and I thought, excuse me, how much experience do you have teaching? I know you know the curriculum there, but if I didn't deliver it the way it should have been delivered for you, what makes me a failure at delivering this? Mm-hmm. I was like, hold on here. Yeah, I didn't do it your way, but there are students present. <laughs> it's like, it was weird. I was meeting one standard that didn't seem to be realistic. See, back in the late <laughs> 80s, I was trained in ITIP. Oh, yes. Yeah. Madeline Hunter. And yeah. I had one or two... Um, I had one or two, I think it was a two-day training. Maybe it was three. I don't remember. Yeah. And they, I, I had just taken on a job. And so I was trying to do all these things. And I was trying to find, I had other staff members in the department because I wasn't, I, it was a mid-year replacement. Oh, uh-huh. okay. And I wasn't given the materials. I had to figure out where all the materials were. And what I could use. And all of a sudden I realized I need a book. And so I talked to my department chair and they said, yeah, you got to go find a book. And I said, where are the books? And they said, well, these people have them. And I said, okay, fine. So I went in to talk to these people. I went in and I talked to this one teacher and they said, sure, um, nobody's using this book. So go ahead and use it. So I went in and I got the book and then the period before and so we did I tip in the middle and I'm doing this book and I had a teacher come into my classroom demanding that I hand her all copies of that book because I overset my boundaries because I did not come and talk to her about using that book. Hmm. And I thought, okay, well, I was supposed to know that you were going to use it. How? Uh-huh, okay. And she said, everybody knows. And I said, well, nobody knew. And she said, well, you failed to come and talk to me. And I said, I got better things to do than to figure out. And anyway, invisible rules. The next thing I, yeah, exactly. And then the next thing I know, this woman shows up in my <laughs> room <laughs> and I said, can I help you? And she goes, yeah, I'm here to evaluate you for your eye tip <laughs> without the book. And I said, ah, shice. This was another woman. This was a trainer. And I'm like, I said, is that today? And she said, yeah. And I thought, oh, great. It was just one of those weeks, you know, you Uh have all these things that just kind of make the perfect (laughs) storm. So anyway, I didn't do very well on my assessment. And And she looked at me and she said, now, what do you think you could do better? And I said, not worry about whatever it is that you want me to do. <laughs> I said, because I can tell you what those kids learned simply by watching them. Mm-hmm. Because these kids have developing minds because it was middle school. Oh, dear. Yeah, you can totally tell that. I, I said, I can tell what these kids are learning. And the kids are actually very well behaved for the most part in these classes. And they're getting it. And they're understanding well, you're not following the proper form. And I said, I don't care. (laughs) Middle schoolers aren't proper humans. (laughs) So so my name, so my name became a little muddish or brackish after that, but yeah. For all the right reasons, for all the correct reasons, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? But going back to who chooses the agenda for these things, (laughs) it's like, it's, are these things that we really must have? Are they things that we that uh, we're supposed to? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know because I get more from going to a conference. I get more from speaking to people outside uh, and being in alternative ed. You don't really get the same kind of camaraderie or collegiality that you would if you were just another person in another department. Yeah. And so yeah, you want to, you want to <laughs> talk to other people outside and sure. Yeah. You do have, you do have pals that are um, peppered through the building. If you're in a building or in a district, but 
you got to get off campus. You got to get out of that building. You got to be able to spread your wings and breathe some fresh air into your lungs in order to be able to figure out what it is that you're missing, things that you need validation, you need to have inspiration, and you need to have the innovation. Yeah, I just, I, I can't, I, I'm not extremely wise, but I know I can connect with kids and I know when I'm not, and I know when I am, and I know how to adjust. And I know when I'm being evaluated by an outsider who's a teacher and then they don't know what they're talking about as far as putting the kid in the equation. They're judging me on their standards and I'm not meeting their standards, but the kids and I are getting along great. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I look to them and I upset them when I say, why are you, I'm not the least bit concerned that I'm not pleasing you. I'm not here for you. I'm here for the kids and the kids only. And I think I've met more and more educators in latter years who were extremely upset by the fact that I said that. Well, they, there's a narcissism because they <laughs> they feel as though that they've achieved a set a level of in the hierarchical order that they should have power. Perhaps. And but, that you need to you need to genuflect. I I, I learned from my mentors. They taught me well. I hope mm -hmm. to pass on that knowledge to some of these people who thought that they were above me, I guess. But I thought, no, because I know my success lies in the kids and I'm watching the success. Mm -hmm. I know I've watched, I've watched it fail too, but I know right. it's successful and I know yeah, I could pass this on, but you just want to judge me. And it's about the kids. It's really, and that's what, gets me, you know, when it's like they want to assess uh, the professional development, the whole the scale, you know, from bad to good seems to always go to the patent. Here we go. We're going to do this by this step. And it doesn't have any soul. You don't really know why you're doing it. It was must be somebody's pet project to that, that really meaningful meetings that you have with your colleagues where you come up with this really great curriculum and you get together and you do it. Mm -hmm. And it, it just like it clicks. It has a few bugs in it for next year. You'll figure out. But it's like, yeah, let's do this every year. But, you know, it's really good for the kids to see the failure. They, yeah, they see those things fail. And they don't even know they're failures, really. Well, I always tell the kids, well, that didn't work. So let's rework it and let's see what does work. And the kids, yeah. will, the kids will cheer you on and they'll work with it and go, yeah. nah, this is another this is another dead dog. You always get and to they, the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, you do. We just but, get to the end of it better next year and the year before that. Or after but the that. more you can teach failure to the kids, that yeah. failure is not a bad thing, that you just regroup and you keep going. For sure. That is one of the key components in brain plasticity, especially with neuroplasticity. And always because, getting the kids involved in it, too. Exactly. Exactly. it can change radically, you know, from year one to year three to, yeah, yeah, big time. Oh, just definitely. Kids, the pot, like I was saying earlier, and we know that the population of kids will force you to change really quick if so, you're watching if you're, if you're paying attention so with all that we've talked about so far do you think that the purpose is to i hate to say it but do you think that there is a drive to make mm -hmm. sure that teachers are towing the line and that they don't get out of step and that they are doing things because we remember we, months and months ago when we first started the podcast we were talking about compliance and mm -hmm. how and how schools basically lock kids into learning how to comply yeah. and to fall into lockstep now it seems as though it's moved on to the teachers and the right. teaching staff that they want them to do the same thing so in a sense teachers are being treated not as professionals but even below paraprofessionals that right. we don't know our shiz and that we need to um we need to learn from the people who, in my opinion, there's some very good ones. Don't get me wrong. But for the most part, some of them have attained their Peter principle. And they are. It's a good thing they're not teaching because they would have they, they would have sucked. Yeah. Yeah. But we need to have we need to have teaching administrators, people who don't believe that who are not like what you're describing. We need people who are 
willing to get their feet dirty, get their hands dirty, jump in, and they're not afraid of the kids, that they can talk to the kids and not go on a power trip because of their own insecurities. Teach. I, I was just, the, the thought was, I was crossing my mind. How do you get collaboration at the very base level with the students or with the teachers? How do you get teachers to learn? Because, you know, that's what the basis of teaching is learning, teaching. It's this reciprocal circular thing. And so teach just what you like outside of your subject, some kind of colleague college. Um, Something that piques your interest. I was thinking of the, of the phrase attraction rather than promotion. All the best things that we do are rather, they're, we're attracted to them. You know, <laughs> we get promoted all kinds of stuff, but, you know, the best things in life are through attraction rather than promotion. We right. find them. We don't sort of, you know, get them promoted to us, you know. And so when someone talks about one of the things they're passionate about, fly fishing or rock climbing or cycling or, mm -hmm. or piano, you know, and, and they really passionate about it. When you see them explain that or teach it, that passion translates. And if for the half an hour, 45 minutes, they're talking about it, you're, you're still enraptured in their talk. However, for a few, you're also inspired in a certain way because you relate to it. It has a way of spreading and mm -hmm. that is just through the expertise and joy that you feel in that thing that you do so well. And we all feel that. And so when you go through that colleague college of teaching your colleagues something that you do other than your teaching and you mm -hmm. do it well, it does inspire them in a certain, certain way, very much so sometimes, but even a little bit, if not interest them and let them know who you are. And I know that I get ideas all over the place and then they expand in the curriculum all the time. Or I say, hey, I can ask that person to come talk to my class. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. We're just doing that thing about fly fishing in Montana. I did not know. You know, she does that. Can she come talk to my class? <laughs> Things like that. You know, hey, I know I've got a bona fide fly fisherman. Yeah. I had kids that were into fishing and fly fishing. Yeah. And one of my friends at the time just happened to be the editor for the largest publication of fishing magazines, journals, and books in wow. the Western Hemisphere. So she came in and she talked and she brought in boxes and boxes and boxes of books. Well, there were so many of those boxes wow. of books that there were, there were more than double of everything. And my mother's next door neighbor was an avid fly fisherman. So I put a bunch of them together and I took them to him and he said, oh my God, you just saved me hundreds of dollars. He said, because some of these I have been, I, I, I'm planning on buying them one a month so I can get through them. Oh, but wow. it's true because yes. you can learn so much just by talking to people and finding out. The other thing is, is you figure out, because every time that I do curriculum, I always look at the kids. Yeah. And I remember I taught, I began by teaching French, I think it was. And so the kids were learning French, but they it was lackluster. They just weren't into it. Then we did Spanish. I thought we could go a little bit further with that. <laughs> Same thing as with the French. I took in... Oh, I took in Latin. And the book I was teaching out of was Master's Level. We're talking the degree masters because it's what it's what the master's students um, at Emory University were using and they were absolutely lost and the kids were kind of blowing through it and they were doing really well with it. But it was still it really was it was a very hard thing. So then I found a different one and I found the perfect one and the kids just adored it. They had a much easier time with it and they breezed through it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just taking time to figure those things out. But then we also did music. Mm -hmm. And you have to be adaptable and you learn how to be. Ad and, and I think if you're strong enough as a teacher that you're willing to risk making mistakes and looking the fool and being able mm -hmm. to laugh at yourself, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to do trial and error. 
And for a lot of kids, a lot of kids in alternative ed, though, to fail is basically to throw yourself into the pit of a volcano. (laughs) You know, that's how they see it. That if they do it in front of 25 kids, uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, of, of which at least three quarters of them are doing quite fine, and and a quarter of them are probably stellar, yeah, it's sometimes really bad news, sometimes, but yeah. then they learn, you know, you have a strength in this, they don't, they have a yeah. strength in this, and you don't, but that's the measure, you know, that they try to well, look at this is how we measure ourselves on right. the 8F scale. And, I, I was just blown away by that whole scale I walked into. There's nothing less than a C, you know. And if this is a D, well, sorry, take it back and try more. <laughs> you know, I just could never give this kid this is a D or an F. I just never could slap someone in the face with something like that. And so, when that first started teaching there, and that was the C standard, it was like I am freed. I don't yeah. have to hurt anybody. Well, like, yeah, a person who gets an F usually hasn't done much of anything yeah they they're they're wanting to they're they're saying i am i am just giving you the opportunity to just some, say, do nothing because i'm doing nothing let's do nothing together <laughs> i'm not going to do nothing yeah no it's one. usually a challenge it's usually <laughs> it's a, challenge. a challenge it's a challenge i don't get okay. challenged okay so <laughs> getting back to everything yeah. Are we trying to are they trying to kill the morale of the teachers and put them into lockstep so that they so that we just have a colony of drones. Who would you ask that question of? Um, yeah, I, I don't think anybody would say yes, but, but the I result think is there. It's I more think. of a rhetorical question, I think. Yeah, I think right. Okay, so. Why do they do that? I mean, I think people want to control the outcome of life. I don't know, hundreds, thousands of people, every student in the school. What, what would be the outcome? I often well, wondered all, what's the outcome of it all anyway. That it's, it's all about control. Even the unit, they would say, we're going to do this this year. And I always thought, and, and what would that do? I was kind of wondered, what would I be at the end of this process? Yeah. What are you? Yeah. What, are, what am I supposed to learn? <laughs> yeah. So, and then I would think that at the end, you didn't understand these certain concepts. So what are we going to do about that? <laughs> And, 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 you know, why do we have to have, Hmm. why do kids have to retake a class or something? Why can't they just sort of feed into that class until they finish that and then go into, do you understand? And then maybe if they're taking it again, they get through that stuff and then they can tutor the other kids. Well, yeah, because it's implying that if they didn't, Get, if I, they studied the concepts and then didn't display like a certain use of them, mm-hmm. sometimes um, that means that there's not a certain level of compliance in a certain understated, subtle way. Like uh, they learned it, but they didn't want to use it. Are you saying compliance <laughs> equals proficiency or something? Along yes, I am. Okay. It's a sort of an under, uh, a non-stated sort of, but this is the way we want it done, do it this way. And some students were saying, I know it's the way it's done, but I don't want to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do it that way. Well, then and, you have an open-ended system of show me mm-hmm. what, what you ways. understand, what yeah. you understand. Yeah, and, and that, that also, then you, I think you'd have to offer that. You know, what other way do you have to show me that you understand it? And mm-hmm. that is alternative ed, I think. Well, that's when they say, <laughs> I don't feel like sharing that with you. It's too personal. Well, the student would say that, but I'd say as an alternative educator, I go, I am more than willing to entertain all, and even help you flesh those out, mm-hmm. you know, instead of going, oh, but my way is the only way I want to see. And I think that's kind of, the way that some of them are being presented. Oh, we want to just see you do it this way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but there are many ways to do it. Yeah, but we're doing it this way now. And <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. My throat's tightening up here. I can't breathe all of a sudden. What's going on here? It just started to strangle me a touch. And then I'd argue and they go, oh, but you're not going with the program, are you? 
Oh, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how do you believe we should be attaining professional development? Unfortunately, I think that the whole scale's there, but I would really like to see some innovation as long as, I'm sorry, along the lines of like collaboration with colleagues, perhaps fleshing out ways of meaningful exploration of the way the mind works. Yeah. Um, like there's some fascinating stuff that people read um, that can at least be touched upon. Um, you mean maybe like a book even group? maybe a book group. Um, I, I book groups kind of a thing I used to kind of avoid a little bit because I wasn't it, the structure wasn't there, but I would certainly be into a group that would look into innovating new ways of looking at that, you know, because I think sharing that information is really important um, because learning is changing and um, and maybe we come up with some really innovative ideas to deal with post pandemic behavior. Um, just because we're so close to the kids, they'll give us the answers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the closer to the ground, just like curriculum, the better. Do you think professional development? Why do you think teachers are not encouraged to go to conferences anymore? I don't know if they ever really were. It was because when the money dried up, that's when it just wasn't. But there see, used to the be, thing is, is that there is money. Yeah, it used to be more and more. And then I remember it was yeah. much, there was much more money for it. I think it last year, year, I think last year out of pocket, I spent about $2,000 going to conferences. Hmm. But I also spent $1,400 of my professional fund going to those same conferences. And out of pocket, I had to pay for the plane tickets. I had to pay for the hotels. Yeah. Um, I had to pay mileage in my car and a few meals. But well, a lot of people spend that money on supplies, too. Right. Right. So but why don't they encourage teachers to go to conferences? Here's the here's the kicker yeah. for every conference that a, that an administrator goes to. Yeah. There should be three teachers who go to a conference. There was an administrator who, um, and Christy knows the story too. It's too bad she's not with us anymore. Um, th this administrator was going to conferences and, and was talking to a, a team of teachers. And I think it was about two or three teachers that were involved and they asked them to get some work done, mm -hmm. some pre-school year work done over the summer. And they said, okay, are we being paid for this? We want to make sure. And they said, oh, yeah, absolutely. You will be paid for it. And then they came in and they had their sheets um, that the extra hours pay. And the administrator looked at them and said, you know what? I blew the budget because I ended up going to too many conferences. And so there's no money left to pay you for all the work you did. Oh. So it became a union issue. Yeah. And the district had a cough up. But it's amazing at how many conferences administrators go to. Hmm. And none of that, okay, trickles down to, to anybody. students. I go, I go to conferences and I talk to teachers, I talk to administrators, but yeah. um, there are so many things that are, that are geared towards policymakers and not towards teachers. Mm. And it makes me wonder, <laughs> where did teachers get locked out? Now, I went to that, <laughs> I, I went to and presented at the National Council of the Teachers of English and the Canadian Council of Teachers of English mm. up in Calgary back in 19 oh lord 92 wow i think it was 92 and um all these teachers were there it was fantastic yeah. it really was they used to have there used to be all kinds of you've been there the national high school association yes, we yeah. had a lot of people there i mean it was fantastic and just 
being able to talk to other teachers and not having to talk to administrators was fantastic. I love talking to administrators because I like getting their takes, but just finding out what other teachers are doing is um, just amazing to me. And at the national, at the national alternative education association last year, I didn't go this year because of medical reasons, but, and I heard this year, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I pelled around with some different principals and some state policymakers, and I learned a great deal from them hmm. from different Southern states. So you can always get more ideas and you can always find things out um, because you're all in the same boat. And that's the nice part, the camaraderie. So how do you believe that? So how are how do we want administrators or what are the demands teachers need to 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 have or possess in order to demand decent professional development opportunities? I wouldn't know. I think that they I, I think possibly they should put that in their contract. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It, it's, it's hard to get teachers on. Well, yeah, maybe. It's difficult to get teachers on the same page sometimes. It um, is. But yeah. I think I think I think alternative ed, I think teachers in alternative ed are a relatively small group for any kind of district that there are Should or be. is. Yeah. And I think that they can put their heads together and they can make some demands because they're the ones that are the experts working with this group of, of taught. And hopefully if they, have, if they have a structure that's if they have a structure that's close enough. Right. Like, and, for example, they don't try to include every like counselor from every high school and junior high special ed. It's like, wait a minute. They're not well, not really savy about what say yeah. special ed needs as a special ed core if they're in right. junior let's, highs everywhere. Yeah, let's keep it to alternative yeah. ed teachers and yeah, something and like maybe that. their administrator. <laughs> I mean it's kind of like a field trip. Um but yeah. then you can also do, there's the Q10 conference that's coming up, and that one is virtual. Yeah. There, yeah. And so, you can't network like that, though, when you're virtual, sort of. Actually, I did. Did you get to network virtual? I got to network because after each one of the sessions, and the nice thing is, is that after each session, they will, they they record everything, and then they put it out there for you to take. So if you didn't make a session, you could always take the recording and watch it. Ah, uh, okay. And That's so nice. you can have like the slideshows, you get to listen to the people and everything like that. So you them all. But <laughs> after, you know, I, I just remember after this one, after this one, um, I think it was after RAFSA, uh -huh. um, reaching at promise students. Um, I believe, I believe, and this is a good example afterwards, the presenter and three of us stayed after online and we just talked and we were asking questions and we started, we just started gabbing uh, and it was fantastic. And so, <laughs> no. <laughs> like the cracker barrel, the virtual cracker, cracker barrel, excuse me. I guess. I, do, I don't Sometimes know. that really happens. It's just, you could get, you yeah. can click with people online. It's like, wow. Yeah. I almost don't want to say goodbye. <laughs> oh, it was, it, yeah, it was really kind it's of nice. True. And I'd see them around other places. And, mm -hmm. but I was bouncing <laughs> from here to here to here, trying to get yeah. in touch with other people. But yeah, you're right. It's not. However, it's a heck of a lot cheaper. Yes. Well, and the thing about it is, too, is um, sometimes there's a lot to be had at the conferences um, in the after hours. And I'm, I, yeah. I, I don't partake of alcohol. And there's, there's a certain air of that, that you know, people get when they have a few drinks and I'm being sober. <laughs> and it's like, y'all aren't making any sense anymore. To me. <laughs> that, that topic just switched really strangely. I'm going home now. <laughs> it's like weird. It's well, strange. Yeah. Oh, speak conferences. Yeah. Um, and I know that we have people that listen in from Oregon and Washington and Northern California. If they're interested, there will be, and there, <laughs> there will be, yeah. An Oregon Alternative Education Conference this spring. I want to go. 
And so if you're interested, email us at alternative at educational triage at gmail.com and um, we'll put you on the list and we will be sending out a call to uh, a, a call for presenters. So um, here pretty soon as well. So hopefully before the it might be around closer to the first of the year. So we have meetings on that next week and the week after. Wow. So I want in. I want in. Okay. So how should teachers be assessed and evaluated and by whom? Do you think students should assess and evaluate teachers or have a say in that? Ugh. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then how should administrators be assessed or evaluated? Should it be by teachers, students, and other staff members? I don't think students should assess them unless you make, Why? unless you make the roles of teachers and administrators very clear to the students, like what they should be doing or what their role is. Like, for example, students know that the administrator is a swell person, but do they know what the administrator is supposed to be doing? Well, I think I would do it as a survey. Possibly something that like asks that. very targeted questions. Yes. Yeah. You could do it. You could flesh it out that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't would know do how that it anonymously. Done, it would yeah. be anonymous. Yeah. And then Same you thing have with the assessments of by students. of you Right. Know, yeah. Right. It would have to be fairly done, not a popularity contest. I'd, the only reason I'd say that about the administrators is if I was a teenager, I wouldn't really care if you were a teacher or administrator. You're an adult. You're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm clueless. I don't care. I don't differentiate. Something. I probably would have looked at the administrator and said, what do you do anyway? Yeah, I didn't know what they, I knew that that could get in more trouble if I was caught by them than the teachers, <laughs> but I knew. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I think we're going to wrap up. And here's what I want people to know. And that is, we will, um, we, next week, we have a take a look at education and whether or not it really is becoming a business and part of corporate America and following a business model and or where are we with that? Mm. And then we are taking a break for Christmas. We'll be back New Year's. I said that earlier. So um, and then we will be operating two We'll have a second channel that's going, and that one we are going to be looking at news stories, too. So, like I said, if you're interested in the Oregon Association for Alternative Education, go ahead and send me an email, educationaltriage at gmail.com, and we will get right back to you as soon as we know something. I will be collecting those because we the more the merrier, right? And mm -hmm. if you're interested in presenting something, that would be absolutely fantastic. We would love to have you there. So it will be in Salem, Oregon in April. Um, and, you know, I just want to say, Philip, thank you so much. This has been, this has been, times. yeah, this was, this was, this was a good discussion. Thank you. It was. That's yeah, I liked it. I liked that. It made me think about good times and, the good ideas we had and we, the laughs that we had coming up with a good idea. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Planning conferences is not easy, but oh, no. you know, that the amount, when you see people come together and the friendships that are forged yeah. and the alliances, it's absolutely beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah. And when it becomes a yearly thing, the thing is, is that we're making this one affordable which means that it's going to be well under $150 a person. Oh, okay, cool. I believe. And um, we're setting up a block of hotel rooms for, it's only a one day thing, but you know, there are people that are traveling that 
might want to spend the night. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably be spending the night down there too. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I looked at one conference and it was, I think it was $699, $799. And it said, we also were doing this virtually. And I thought, oh, hallelujah. I don't have to fly all the way across the country. Same price. Same price. Yeah. Same say. price. Wow. And I thought, um, you lost me. Yeah. You lost me. So anyway, so let us know your thoughts. Give us a rating. Subscribe. Share us with other people. And y'all have it safe out there. We know the weather's getting dicey, especially in some parts of the country. You guys are getting really dumped on with a lot of the white stuff. So... <laughs> Um, Autumn saying, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, rest of your week. And until next week, we'll say sayonara. Aloha. Bye-bye.